The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. I'm here with Mike. Mike, how are you, buddy? Hey, my friend. Good to see you. Uh, good to see you, as always. Listen, a quick story for you. Is all okay? right. Yeah, you, bring you, them on. You know, you ever, like, meet these people who, like, got it all going on? You know what uh, I mean? Like, they do it all, like, so well. I'm talking to you. No, that's not true. No, no, I, no. I'm, I'm like a one-trick pony. I'm talking about, like, uh, <laughs> these people that, like, they can sing, they can dance, they can act. Uh, and then yeah. somehow they can juggle. They can do mm. all these kinds of things. It's like... You meet like this uh, a CEO type, and they also like are an opera star, and you're like, come on, man, like yeah. Hugh Jackman, like that would be one. Like, how, yeah. how does the guy do the Music Man and Wolverine? He can I, do it all. I don't get it. Like, I'm yeah. trying to get one thing. It's like I meet people that meet five languages, and I'm like, I'm still working on English. <laughs> That's like, right. I'm working on one language right now. So we have a guest today. Who is that? Oh, like, yeah. I, the ridiculous. Hugh Jackman? I, no, it's not oh, Hugh Jackman. Oh, okay. It's better right. than Hugh Jackman. Oh, I got it. But we have this guest today that's like, smarty make smart, smart, smart. Like, <laughs> let's do that. Beautiful make beautiful all that. And then like the nicest, sweetest, kindest human being, just one of my favorite people, Marcelo Freeman, who's on the board of directors with the 4 and Foundation. Are you there? I am here, John. Well, thank you for being on the Crossman Conversation. And thanks for all the cool stuff you do for Florida A&M. That's just so awesome. It is a it is the pleasure uh, of I think my life uh, to do things for Florida A and M and uh, on the contrary thank you for all that you do for Florida A and M uh, and 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 other HBCUs in the state. Well, I'm glad to do it. Glad to do it. And you know, so I'll be in these board meetings and like I sit across the room and then you know she starts. Director Freeman starts talking and I'm like, man, she talked good. She's smart, <laughs> you know, and she has all this wisdom and insight. But let me let's go back just talk a little bit about you. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about like originally where you're from and where you grew up? Happy to do it. So I am from Montgomery, Alabama. I know you can't tell from the accent. Um, grew up there, but I was an Army brat. So I uh, was born in Michigan, moved to Germany, lived in Virginia, uh, and somehow landed in Montgomery uh, until I went to Florida A&M. That's awesome. And so you grew up in a household that was uh, service, you know, so that was probably a, kind of shaped you in a way. Is that is that true? Definitely. Um of service and uh, of uh, a phenomenal focus on education. So both my parents are teachers. My dad, after retiring from the Army, went to teach at Tuskegee University for 22 years. Wow. Um, and my mother, having been a stay-at-home mom for you know most of my childhood, um, went back to college uh, at Alabama State and became a teacher. Um, so I've got two teachers in my family um, who really do think that it is uh, the most important job in the world to be shaping the leaders of tomorrow. Well, you know, I I love that. And I would add on top of this, I would think that a little bit of the military moving around gave you a skill set of being able to connect with people because you probably had, you're living in different environments, living in Germany and Michigan and then Alabama. And so you had a, sometimes people raised in the same environment their whole lives have a little bit of trouble connecting with people who are from a different environment and it seems like that's a shaped skill set you developed being to connect with people. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, it's a it's a great point. I think uh, growing up in uh, as a 
uh, Army brat gave me two unique skills. Um, one is having, I think, a really great sense of self, knowing that if I go in any environment, everything around me changes, but I don't change. And the perception can change of me, but Marcelia Freeman doesn't change. So I think that's something that that was a gift uh, from from my growing up. Uh, and then, yes, it, that sense of self also allows me to be incredibly authentic and then find the things in other people that I can connect with on a really human level and on a genuine level. Um, I'm not great at small talk. <laughs> I'm not great at cocktail party chatter. Um, but I can, uh, I think, connect with a lot of different types of people because I've had to do that over time, and actually I thoroughly enjoy it. Well, you know, I've always felt like you um, see me, like you, you, you know, sometimes people will get in a boardroom environment and you're like, you don't always connect. And I always felt like, gosh, here's somebody that seems to be able to identify themselves, but they also knew who I am. And, you know, you know, part of my story is I grew up with a dad that was uh, serving at Bethune Cookman. I knew more about HBCUs than I did about PWIs, you know, my entire childhood. And then I think you know this, but I ran in the family relays all four years. And so... I had this, you know, perspective and it helped shape me, but it also helped me connect with people. And that's been, that's been really cool. And so you've had that experience as well. And it's enabled you to move and do different things, I'm sure with your work life and professional life and your, your volunteerism on top of that. Cause when you're working on that foundation board, some of it is uh, awareness of what is an HBCU and what is FAMU and the person asking may have no context and you're, then you're sort of translating to that. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think all of all of the things that you say are uh, incredibly true and and really translating from your one walk of life to the next is about connecting with people, speaking to people uh, in a way that they can digest and consume what you're saying. Um, I like to call it the platinum rule. Um, It is the, the golden rule is treat people how you want to be treated. The platinum rule is treat people how they want to be treated. And, you know, that can be applied to when you're communicating with people, when you're engaging with people. It can be applied to so many walks of, uh, you know, so many things in life. Um, And and it really does allow you to connect and communicate better um, if you are constantly thinking about the other person before yourself. That's a level of uh, empathy. Is that right? Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly what it is. It's like empathy on steroids. I, sometimes I wish I didn't have it. <laughs> well, I uh, I got asked to speak on a panel two years ago, a podcast, and it was uh, about um, race. And the other three panelists were all black women. And I was getting prepared for this. And I'm like, man, I don't feel good about this. <laughs> like, I, I don't feel qualified. I was feeling kind of insecure. And so when they started the panel and they were talking about race and discrimination and I started with, I said, you know, I don't know what that's like. What I do know about is trauma and I have experienced trauma and it's caused me to have some mental health issues. And I, and I, that I do know, and I can talk about my own mental health issues. That whole panel went great. And I think it was because I was vulnerable in in myself. And then the other panelists were able to, they had empathy towards me and, and then it really kind of came together, but I had to know myself and be vulnerable to get to that place. Right. Yes, I love that. I love that example. And, and the fact that you fit in on a panel with three black women who were open to engaging, open to supporting, opening to hearing you, 
open to seeing you. Um, I'm not surprised at all um, of those women, but also that you stepped into it so confidently um, and you fit in because I do think that is maybe one of your superpowers, being able to walk into a room and, um, and whether you feel comfortable or not, you seem comfortable and you engage and, and it really is a, a wonderful experience. And I'll say that firsthand. I appreciate that. You know, it's funny is like, uh, uh, you know, people look at me and I'm like ridiculously white looking. I get that. Um, but you know, my, my, my mom is uh, mixed and, um, my grandfather, her dad was, was mixed biracial. And so, and he never knew, um, you know, his mother and obviously any of that side of that family. But sometimes when I walk in a room and I look at some black women, they look like my mom, right? And then sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, gosh, I wonder what my grandmother would look like. So when I'm in that space, I feel um, a big heart in a family kind of way that I realize like they may not feel that about me, but I do feel that about them. And so I, I hope that that emotion and that love kind of comes out. And I may never explain that story well to people, but it's in me, you know what I'm saying? And so I hopefully that's, no, that's what felt. I think it absolutely does. Um, and I remember when you told me that and I thought, huh, that's why he's so different <laughs> because <laughs> he is me and I am him. You yeah. know what I mean? I, yeah. I think that there is a certain level of connectivity there, um, whether people can visually recognize it or not. I think, um, I think it speaks through your heart for sure. Well, it goes to the concept of where we want to be bridge builders, right? And so you know, and working with, um, you know, FAMU or any different um, uh, service area, whether it's university or another nonprofit, a lot of ways it's getting to connect with people that are different. I spent a lot of years working on with a prison ministry, and I was always trying to get people non in prison to help provide resources to people in prison and explaining why they should, right? And so it goes to different things of like some areas of communities have resources and some are need resources. And how do we, how do we connect? How do we bridge and that takes compassion on on both sides, right? And so I'm always looking to that space of kind of positivity to make connections. And some people don't like that. They don't like it. They, they, I've had people get mad at me because they want me to be madder and angrier at people. And I'm like, hey, that's not the way I think things work. We need to find the common ground and work together, which that seems like that's a high skill set for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you and I are so much more alike than different. And I love the fact that we can find our likenesses and explore them and appreciate them. Um, and then when it comes to the differences, we can disagree, but we remember how we are alike. So for instance, um, I actually used to teach in prisons uh, and, wow. and I feel very much the same way you do in that you see a population of people who may be disenfranchised, may be underprivileged, may be treated um, like the scum of the earth, but you can then still find something redeeming about those relationships um, and and move forward with that. I think it is unique, uh, and I'm so glad that you and I can share that. But I do go back to the point that when we find the things that we have in common, then we can celebrate the differences, whether it's a difference of opinion, a different a difference of experience, whatever that might be. Uh, but it, it is, becomes a bridge. That commonality becomes a bridge that can support the, the, the vagrances of differences um, that you will also may experience. 
Mike, how, how cool is Director Freeman? I mean, that sounds on. amazing. I mean, I'm right? sitting here thinking, like, what wisdom, man. I know, right? Like, smart and, I mean, worldly. And just, she's ridiculous. Well, listen, we got to take a quick break, uh, but then we're going to come back and have our final segment with Director Freeman from the board directors at Florida University Foundation. This is John Crossman, the Crossman Conversation. As the largest property tax practice in North America, Ryan's professionals possess the local footprint and knowledge backed by a team with national expertise to help organizations minimize their property tax liabilities and ensure valuations are fair and accurate. With the Florida tax appeal deadlines approaching rapidly, local experts at Ryan work proactively with many jurisdictions across Florida well in advance of the August trim notice mailing to ensure our clients receive maximum tax savings. Guys, I use Ryan, and I hope you will too. Crossmock Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. This is John Crossman, and I work with a lot of vendors in the commercial real estate industry. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite ones ever is my friends over at Construction Unlimited, Florida's premier roofing company, and they bridge the craftsmanship with the pinnacle of innovation. They're just one of the best groups because of the trust, the expertise, the quality, and my favorite part, they're really committed to the community. When you're thinking about roofing construction needs, keep Construction Unlimited at the top of your list. Once again, here is John Crossman. And we are back here with Director Freeman, who is with the Foyanum Foundation of Board of Directors and has such a cool life story. You know, she's talking about her background and, you know, uh, dad in the service, parents, teachers, and travel in this place. Um, and then went to Florida AM University, which, you know, outstanding university in, in America. Uh, but then got done with your bachelor's, and then you had the big decision of grad school. And I really want to know that story. Director Freeman, tell me your story about why grad school, what grad school, and just unpack that for us, okay? Yeah, so I maybe have a a little bit of a special background in that I have uh, two master's degrees, two MBAs, actually, one from Florida A&M and one from the Harvard Business School, not by design, um, but by opportunity. Uh, When I was graduating from high school, the great Dr. Humphreys recruited me into Florida A&M, and uh, at that time, uh, the the five-year School of Industry, um, Business and Industry uh, MBA program was the program to be in. It is still illustrious. It is still amazing. Um, But at that time, it was really uh, the the program that my parents uh, decided that was the best program for me. Uh, And so I entered into Florida A&M knowing that I was going to have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree within five years when I graduated. Um, I focused on finance, uh, and I actually won the 
Finance Student of the Year Award in 2005 um, and really kind of leaned into everything related to finance and, and the world of investments at that time. Um, I then went to Wall Street. I worked at J.P. Morgan for three years, um, a couple years uh, in the office of the chairman, uh, working for Jamie Dimon and, and uh, his predecessor, as well as working in the private bank, really learning the business of investments. Um, and after those three years, um, I knew I needed something else, I, whether it would have been to move to another job, um, get some other type of experience, um, whatever it might be, I needed something else. And, and at that time, I decided that what I wanted was to go back into school and have a different experience for a master's degree. So while the Florida A&M um, five-year MBA is special, um, the learning method is your typical Socratic learning method. Um, the Florida, excuse me, the uh, HBS method is case study method. And so that something else for me was to go into an intensive two-year uh, MBA program um, in the middle of the case study method. For me, that was life-changing to have to stand up in class, <laughs> proverbially stand up in class and speak my mind and share my opinion. It has shaped the way I speak today. It has shaped the way I can form um, formulate an opinion based on limited information and speak confidently uh, in a room of anyone. Uh, and, and it really was a formative experience for me. So the Florida A&M MBA experience was everything that I needed at that time in my life, but also the HBS experience was everything that I needed at that time in my life. So I, uh, I uphold both of those degrees um, with, with such uh, pr pride uh, because they were transformative uh, to to my trajectory in life. Uh, wow, Mike. I, I mean, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, like, that's just so impressive. It's so impressive, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. So a couple of things with that. First off, um, uh, Mike, so you know this, you know, so she's talking about the famous, the legendary Dr. Humphreys, you know, when he was the one that brought the FAMU cultural law back. And so we talked a lot about that and such a national leader and such a big deal to Florida A&M University. And, you know, uh, his son-in-law, Brian Watson, mm -hmm. so who works at Crossmark here in our building. Mm -hmm, that's so, right. So, you yeah. know, we talk about him and his legacy all the time. And then with that, uh, the five-year program she's talking about, you know, one of our frequent guests, Thomas Bolin, mm -hmm. went through the same program. That's something. So interestingly enough, you know, we've had some people in that. And then uh, my dad went to Harvard Business School. Um, so, you know, like, I did not know yeah, that. No, he sure did. My my dad was a smart Amy smart like you. Like he was, he, my dad was ridiculous. Um, he was one of those people too that like can master multiple languages. And you know that you know I'm dyslexic, so there's a lot of stuff I struggle with. And man, he just he just had that kind of brain power. He was able to to do that. But um, um, you know, I'm so impressed with that when somebody asks you, hey, should I go to grad school or not? I'm sure people ask your advice on that. What what do you tell a young professional that's thinking about maybe I go, maybe I just go go work, you know, what, what's your advice on that? Yeah, it's such a personal decision, but the answer that I provide is that you will never regret going back to school. I just don't believe that people will regret having those one or two more years to form, um, to become more strategic, to grow. 
Um, and that doesn't mean that you can't do it on the job. That can't. That doesn't mean that you can't do it in a gap year doing something else. Um, but I, I don't believe that if you go to grad school, particularly a top-tier grad school, I don't think you'll ever regret it. And, yes, there is a cost associated with it, a financial cost, an opportunity cost. Um, but I, I really do believe that uh, grad school can be – a game changer for a lot of people. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. Like I said, it's such a personal decision. Um, but I've yet to meet someone that regretted it. Um, so that, that's my that's my standard response. Well, you know, it's interesting. I remember being a young professional, and I worked for this really wealthy guy. In fact, I uh, here's a story. I'm, I'm on his yacht in the Bahamas. How's that for the start of the story? Okay. Yeah, and so <laughs> it's at night and the stars and all that kind of stuff, and we're just talking, and he's like, you know, you you should go back and get your MBA. And I think now, I think, you know, he saw something in me and told me that I should do that. You know, my problem was is that I was a poor kid, um, and so I really had no resources. And uh, on top of that, I didn't know it then. I was dyslexic, and, and I didn't learn that until much later. But while I always respected academia, um, it was really hard for me. And so when I see young people who have the opportunity to go to grad school, when that just wasn't in the cards for me, I, I cheer that so hard. I cheer that so hard mm-hmm. because I agree with what you said. And this is you know, like you did it. I didn't do it. And we're both saying the same thing. So that's pretty cool. I would say I've got two daughters in college now. And my oldest daughter, her major is theater. And, and she's great. She's an exceptional singer. And I've told her, I was like, look. I- some of the videos. So oh my gosh! That I, I have seen some of the videos, so I, <laughs> I, I concur. She's uh, exceptional. Well, I appreciate that. I, I, I will send you more now. But um, a teasing. But she, um, you know, I told her like, look, if you pursue that for two years and then you decide you don't want to anymore, get your MBA. And I guarantee you, if you have an undergrad in theater and an MBA, uh, there are companies that want you. They'll nonprofits that would want her. I would think, you know, because of fundraising and communication. And it's the same thing with my younger daughter who's looking more uh, into social work and things like that. And I've said to her, like, look, you know, may, maybe within her own program, it's something for her to look at. I mean, her own school to do a five-year like you did. So it's a way to onboard more skills. And I love your story about one graduate program added one skill set and the other one added a different skill set. That's very, very, that's very cool. And it sounds like it's really continued to shape you, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So my last thing real quick before we uh, wrap this up is, you know, you've had all this success. And like we started in the beginning, you know, the, the context of this conversation is you and I serve on this board together. It's about serving. And that's obviously a big part of your life. You know, so there's people listening to this who graduated from uh, Michigan, you know, just had their big win or they went to FSU or UF or UCLA or where, wherever they are. You know, a lot of people graduate and do nothing for the universities. I think probably the heaviest percentage do nothing their whole lives. The next level does nothing for 20 years. And you, you within a a relatively recent time of graduating, were back in serving. So what would you tell other graduates, other schools, of why they should continue to pursue serving after I've gone to a school for a number of years? Yeah, you know, I think... um you know, serving is serving a university is serving the future of our planet. <laughs> to be honest, you're serving students, you're serving um, graduates that will shape whether you'd like them to or not. Uh, will shape the future of the world that we live in. And so, to the extent that you can have a fingerprint on that, why not? Um, and I, I would also say, service doesn't have to be formal service. You know. 
you run for a board and you don't get on, does that mean you don't serve anymore? Absolutely not. That probably means you should lean in in a different way. Um, I just think that a lot of times people are hung up on titles and, and formality, and to serve is to serve is to serve, uh, no matter how you do it, whether it's formal or informal, small or big. Um, I think it's incumbent upon us all to help propel the the youth of today because they're going to be the ones that are in charge when we're old and gray in nursing homes. And don't you want them to be <laughs> really prepared and empathetic and, and leaders? Um, I sure do. So I think that part of it is self selfish, um, but met much of it is selfless in, in thinking about the, the future of um, the world that we'll live in going forward. That's what I would leave folks with. I love that. Director Freeman, I serve on a board that's a real estate board. And over the holidays, I took a list of all the board members and about half of them I, you know, talked to really regularly. And the other half I hadn't talked to in a long time, or maybe I'd never really had a formal conversation with. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start the new year. I'm going to reach out to each one of these people and have a little chat because they're in real estate. I'm in real estate. We should just be on the same page. So the first guy I'm talking to, and uh, I said, oh, tell me about your background. Tell me yourself. He goes, well, I've been in the business 23 years. 23 years ago, I got help professor to meet with a, a professional. And that person was you, John. My first meeting was with you. And no then, way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I was like, what? And so, boy, uh, I hope he takes care of me when I'm in a nursing home is what I'm trying to say. But um, I love giving and not keeping score. And that sounds like that's a big part of what you're about. So, Director Freeman, I'm so blessed to know you. And I'm so grateful for all you do to give and share. And I'm direct grateful for what you're doing for Florida A&M. And it, to CEOs out there listening, it's one of the last thing I'll say is make sure you're recruiting at your local HBCU, specifically FAMU. Because when you're thinking about the future of the industry, it's going to look different than the past. And if you ever find yourself recruiting at places and the students all look exactly the same, you need to make sure that you're broadening that out. I never tell about somebody to not recruit their alma mater. Just add into your recruitment mix. Uh, so with that, Director Freeman, thanks for being here on the Crossman Conversation. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. And with that, as always, support your local HBCU. This has been Crossman Conversation. Produced by Acrossman Career Builders, Mark Radio Production.